This is the Pro Audio Suite Podcast. Quick Bites. Welcome to another Pro Audio Suite Quick Bite. This one is a quick look at a new interface, quite expensive interface, called Acousta LE3. Uh, Robert has one and so does Robert. Robert has one and so does Robbo, in fact. <laughs> oh, Robert has one and so does, yes. What did I say? I don't know what I said. Robert has one and so does Robert. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe Robert's got two. Yeah, I have a split personality. Oh, <laughs> yeah. uh, dear. Uh, anyway, what's it like, Robert or Robert? Um, <laughs> it is built really, really well. And I have to say there's many nice things about it. Um, you know, it's... Uh, I have to say it's probably engineered extremely well. And, and in a nutshell, the hardest thing about it is its user interface maybe is, is the one thing. But as far as like performance goes on a, you know, the mic pre and the headphones and it's very plug and play, recognized by the computer right away. Um, it's just trying to figure out how to turn things up and down because the entire device only has two buttons besides the phantom power button. And so it's a little bit tough to figure out. But once you do... It's probably one of the smallest, best preamps out there, I'm kind of guessing, um, as far as signal-to-noise ratio, amount of gain. Um, it's got digital in and out. It's um, high-end, just tough to use, I guess, is the simple It's way got to say digital it. in? Yes, it does. Digital in and out. Yes, sir. What does digital. a mic preamp need with digital inputs? Well, it's not a preamp. It's an entire interface. It's, it's yeah. you know, like, like the way they have it in their... Uh, it's got AES in and out, so you can plug it into a console. Um, okay, they, so does that mean it's a four-channel that has two digital, two analog? I think you can only I'm use not clear about two. that, actually. I, I should have read the manual a little bit closer. I, it does not split out to four channels as far as I can tell. Um, I just but, read the manual, and I didn't quite understand. Yeah. <laughs> I have to say. I might be wrong here, but I don't, I don't see this as a four-channel interface. I see it as a two-channel digital or analog line or mic interface with very high spec preamps, a good headphone output, extremely small, it's bus powered, it is USB 3, it does use some goofy little cables that uh, you have to have proprietary cables to plug your mic in, so um, that breakout cable. Yeah, they're Limo connectors, which which (laughs) seem proprietary, they're not really, like Limo is popular in film sound, like production mixing. Um, they are used quite a lot on like really high end wireless mic transmitters and stuff because they're they're s- super reliable and really well made. Like everything about this thing is clearly you know no expenses spared in terms of what connectors that are used to build quality circuitry. It's the best you can probably put into a box this tiny, right? I mean, mm. that's what I'm getting from this. Yeah, I'd say it's impressively small and high spec. Yeah. It is tiny, isn't it? Like to give people a visual ID idea it's probably if you remember the old silver apple tv remote controls it's very much similar to that in terms Just of thicker. size and I'll, thicker. I'll give you yeah. a really easy way to know how big it is ready yeah it is half as wide as an iphone 10 and twice as thick there you go oh, you've been doing a bit of testing <laughs> <laughs> and about the same length about the almost same exactly the same yeah, length and almost exactly the same weight yep okay and it plugs and and it goes into iOS and, and Android devices and Mac and Windows. And the driver is like there is no driver to download. It just works. You plug it in, it goes. Like that was never any of the issue. The only thing was, how do I turn the mic up? 
like the 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 button to turn the mic up is the same button that you use to turn the mic down. And it just depends on how long you press it for. So you have to go kind of up and back down or or pause in your the way you press it. And the same thing with the headphones. So it's a little bit of a head scratch. It's like setting the clock on the VCR a little bit. Yeah. Yeah. It's a bit clunky in that respect. But um, I, I mean, I enjoyed using it. I don't know what you did, Robert, but I had to go record some Vox Pops on the streets for a radio station I do some work for. So I, I took it with me um, and I did it. I did a few on my phone and I did a few. Um, well, I actually took the headphone out just as an experiment and plugged it into the, um, the Zoom H6 just to see what that would sound like. Um, oh. The thing that concerns me the most with this thing is that proprietary cable. I know that if this was my go-to device, one day I'm going to forget it. Yeah, that I, I agree. The, well, for me, my experience was that when I, it, it went through some hell on shipping. So when I got it, clearly someone, wherever some shipping depot got into the box and I didn't get the cables. Yeah. So then they had to ship me cables separately. Yeah. Um, and and that's expensive, I, right? The I think cables? they are. Yeah. Because I, mean, I would not want to solder on these things. I'll tell you that much. It's no. small. But, when I when I plugged it in, I, I I do remember thinking like, wow, that is a good preamp. Just even in my noisy environment, there just seemed to be a a life that it put into the mic that was not like your typical Scarlet kind of interface. It, it really kind of got the depth out of the microphone, and that was my first impression with it was how clean and how how good the gain was, and the headphone preamp was good. And I just recorded some voiceover with it, like some some things I just had to do and. It was easy enough. I did notice that, and I think it might be my cable, but it, it's, you know, it's like if you jiggle it in the right way, then the computer loses the interface and you have to like reintroduce your your program to the interface. It seems to, but that might not be them. That might be the cable because I didn't get the USB 3 cable. So I just used the one from my Mac, which doesn't have a problem with my Mac power connector, but it seemed to be a little bit more sensitive on this device. That was probably the only other complaint that I had with it as far as, I'd say there's, if I had to complain, it'd be three things. Price, there's only two buttons on the whole thing for every function that it has. And maybe the USB connector was a little bit sensitive to being like, you know, losing losing connection with the computer. So you didn't flight. have the, the factory cable that it should have come with, right? I did not. I the only yeah. I the only cables I got after the fact were the two uh mic cables. Is that a micro USB connector on there or a USB C connector on there? USB C. Okay. Well, that's, I, said, I said three. Sorry, I meant C. That's okay. Yeah. No, that's yeah. a that's a pro because the the USB C connector mechanically is a huge improvement over micro USB. Right. I mean, it's it's way more robust, has a much firmer connection, it's reversible. You know, mm-hmm. so it's just much better. So I'm very glad it came with that connection standard for sure. Like I can't help to but compare it with my. Um, Centrance MicPort Pro 2. In terms of products that are meant to be highly portable, kind of a niche product, but very small. The MicPort Pro 2 was developed a little little earlier, and unfortunately, he did not put USB-C on it. That, to me, is one of its main downfalls. Is it just has those tiny micro-USB jacks, and those things are just so fiddly and notorious, I think, they for are. failing. But I complain about MicPort Pro 2 is that you can't bus power it if you want to. You gotta power you gotta battery yes, power it. Yes. You always have to have two USB cables. One to charge and power, one to for signal. That is my main problem. 
One thing that's interesting about this acoustica, Acousta, it has a tone generator built into it. Yeah. Yeah, I saw it in the manual. Wow. Yeah, I mean, it's it's definitely very pro, very high-end. It does, like, stupid high sample rates and has a lot of gain. It's just like... It's like a Swiss Army knife, but it's an Austrian army knife. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> Made in Austria, right? Yeah, that I is. mean, anybody who gets it and is willing to deal with the interface, they definitely have, like, a, a very good preamp and a small package, and uh, it's going to get the job done for sure and do it better quality than most of the, you know, 100 to, I would say... Even five hundred dollar interfaces, it's going to exceed some of those. Um, you know, like I, I think as far as preamps go, you're at least looking at an Apollo. And I wonder if this thing outspecs an Apollo mic preamp. I think it does. Probably. Well, based on the numbers on the paper, it does. Yeah, I haven't seen too many. That's why when I saw the specs, I was thinking this sounds like a scientific instrument. The specs are so amazing. Like yeah. it just hundred and sixty dB. Of dynamic range, right? It's right. That's unheard of. Like that, at least it's unheard of to me, because it does 192k sample rate. That means it's got 20 hertz to 96k frequency, frequency range. range. Yeah. So I it's can like, hear that. I can hear that, but Andrew can't. But yes, <laughs> <laughs> maybe I can. After yes, all, that's yeah. right. <laughs> and even the headphone output: 20 hertz to 86k kilohertz sample a frequency range with a plus or minus one db i mean that's incredibly low distortion or a very very low high accurate high accuracy so there's no doubt like i i could see this thing being like the ultimate toolkit device that you would keep with you you would take it for doing measurements doing live sound tech stuff have it as a utility device for doing you know field work I, you know? I think it's excellent for field recording because it yeah. can do the high sample rate and it's got such great preamp quality. And, you know, like like the hardest thing about field recording is just that USB connector that it has to have on it. Yeah. That might. But um, but the fact that it just plugs into a phone, Android, or, or you know, it's like it's it's very, it's, it's pretty cool. I mean, honestly, it's like, yeah, you, you pay for what you get and you get a lot of performance out of it. I think the only thing that is just kind of like, why are there only two buttons on it? Yeah. That's the biggest for me, isn't it? I mean, even the three of us, four of us getting Robert set up, even on the line, we struggled a little bit for a minute there, didn't we? Well, we had to use the manual. Yeah. <laughs> like, <laughs> yeah. And we're men. That's right. Well, why would we do such a thing? <laughs> I'll tell you what really did. needs the manual, right? So the, the <laughs> buttons are one thing, but I'm looking at this one. It actually can be used as a strictly as a, as a preamp digital converter, right? So it has this mode where you don't even plug it into USB at all. It, it, it can be used completely as a preamp, right? But what's fascinating is how you power it. So there's this really bizarre little adapter that goes in line with the AES input jack. Talk about proprietary. It's very it odd. So It doesn't power through the USB? When it's in it a has a way to mode? power the unit via AES. Oh. So if you, it's really fascinating. Like It has these proprietary breakout cables, right? They have mini jack on one end and XLR on the other, and that's your AES, right? But it has this splitter, little adapter unit that they have that powers the unit via the same cable through the AES cable. Right. They're, well, they're doing a phantom power type trick. Essentially, you know, it just, yes. It cancels yeah. out on the balancing, but... Right. And that's how they're powering it. 
So it doesn't even have to be a USB interface. It can be a standalone DAC, a standalone headphone amp, a, a portable mic preamp DAC, or ADC, analog digital converter. Um, it does all that stuff. So, I mean, it's certainly amazingly versatile. You get your 1500 bucks worth out of it. You do. You have a high-spec converter, mic preamp, interface, Headphone, go listen to Pink Floyd and trip out on it. You know, <laughs> like, <laughs> yeah, it's I, all I, a- I'd venture to guess it's to me, its primary value would be as just a very, very high resolution mic pre and digital converter. In my audio music recording days, I would have paid uh, $1,500 for a mic preamp and AD converter I, of that I kind of quality. Four, I paid $4,000 for an Apogee that was a stereo preamp converter. Exactly. And it only went in one direction. This does ADDA. Yeah. So, so when yeah. you look at what it's really designed to compete with, it is a good value. If you look at it as competing with the stuff that my clients use, it definitely is it's priced out of the market. Yeah, it's funny though because I kind of think based on the price, it will be the one buy that will be it. Mm-hmm. It would be the one that lasts you for years as opposed to, I mean, how many interfaces do you have, George? Well, how many do I have to have? I yeah. mean, I just, at home, I have my Rodecaster Pro that I do everything at my desk. But then I just have a wide variety of them because I've tested and trained and used so many of them. You know, but I, yeah, I've got a box full over here. Yeah. In various states of functionality. You know? I mean, I, yeah, I've done yeah. the same thing because I, I bought them and I'm not happy with what they would well, usually their headphone output uh, is an issue. But I've so I've got a, a Focusrite, I've got a PreSonus, I've got the Rode AI1 and the um, SSL2. So I've got four interfaces here, which is ridiculous. Where if you bought something like that, it'd be like for the amount of money I spent on those four, I could have bought one of those and that would do the trick. Yeah, it pretty I, much I would. The, yeah. the thing that's yeah. missing too is 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 flexible monitoring controls. We're yeah. kind of used to, like on things like a Micport Pro, you can very flexibly control the monitoring from the the blend between the mic and the headphones and the playback. So you have that infinite control. Like I want to balance my returns with my inputs. I don't see a way that you can do that with this. In its current I, I didn't, state, I didn't find it. I didn't find it either. Although, although yeah. it does, it does give you. Your input, you you can choose to hear that or not. Yeah, you can hear so, your input, and you can. Yeah. You, but you said you can choose to also not hear the input. I'm pretty sure, yeah, because because yeah. it's got a very big manual to it. But then when when you look at the, uh, the circuit diagram they give you, there, there's definitely a mixer built into it. You know, what, we, we would be brilliant is if he had a, uh, a if he could write software a con- control panel for it. Yeah. And so you know, if if maybe someday he could release a control panel. That you could run on on a Mac, Windows, and maybe even iOS. That yeah, I mean it, it's right here. That, monitor so. monitor mixer IP, right? And, and the inputs to it are the um, you know when you follow over you get you get a mix you you get a mix from the digital output, you get a mix feed in from the USB output of the computer, and then you get a mix in from the input sample rate converter, and then there's an analog in on off. Yeah. Um, so, so it, it does have a mixer built into it, and, and it's not to say that we didn't dig into it enough to find that. But right. as we said, like, how do you do that with two buttons? Yeah, um, yeah. It, it's it's the limiting factor is it's 
is its is its user interface. It really, it truly is. It it has so many modes of operation you can use. Uh, and he had, and he does a really good job of showing, kind of like the Mackie manuals. I love Mackie equipment manuals, right? Because they're all pictograms and they show you many scenarios, you know, that you can use the unit. I love that, and that's what this guy does with his manual. It, lots and lots of scenarios showing here. Try it in this way, and this way, and this this use this use case, which makes it really easy mm. to imagine ways that you could make use of it. It actually has three mixers in it. it has a digital output mixer. As a USB output mixer, and it has your monitor mixer. Again, there's a, there's a lot going on inside this little tiny thing. A lot. I think he just needs to unlock the user interface, create it, create a, a console app, and allow it to be controlled from a, a device that has far more. You know, like like the Apollo, for example. I always use. I like the, the Apollos a lot, and it does have a knob on it and a few buttons, but that's just a skimming the surface of what it can do. Because the rest is all controlled from a console. So maybe he could do that someday. That would be really cool. I, I think there's a real trend in design these days where it's like, doesn't, don't make it look cluttered. If it has a lot of buttons, it'll look hard to use. So we're going to, like that knob per function kind of approach, which might make something look complex. There is an ease of use in a more you know dedicated knob per function approach. And I know that That's, yeah. when you're making stuff, that adds to the cost of it. You know, every switch adds to the cost, but um, well, that's why I like the SSL too. It's it's the yin to the yang of the the Apogee, mm-hmm. or the Apogee. Uh, I'm saying the Apogee. I meant to say the Apollo, but honestly, but no, the, the Apollo steals its like, design from yeah the the Apollo stole its design essentially from the Apogee. The, yeah, the Apogee was the first like thing with button, the one knob. One knob. Yes, yeah. so that kind of is played out a bit to me. I think we need to bring back devices with more physical controls. And usability is a break. big thing. And I mean, actually, it's not even about physical controls. It is perfectly fine to have a touchscreen. But to have more laid-out controls. More things you can, you can access at a glance. Less modal operation, more dedicated operation. That's the difference between... Like in, in terms of video cameras, I can tell you from, from experience, that's the difference between amateur video cameras and pro cameras it's not necessarily the raw picture quality anymore i mean it, it is to a degree but not as much it's actually about how many physical controls can you access from the unit without going into a menu that's really where the pro camera comes in yeah it's it's kind of an enigma it's a very high pro quality unit with far fewer controls so it's definitely an enigma yeah it's it's, it's mm-hmm. almost it reminds me of the monolith in 2001 <laughs> yeah Yeah, I look. I mean, I guess for me, I I looked at it, and and it's not something that I would probably use, given the fact that you know, for outside stuff, I I have the H six. What did occur to me was someone like um, Chris McCallum, who we've had on this show before, who's a really well known Australian location sound recordist. For someone like him, I bet he'd probably scream to get his hands on something like that. That small, yeah. Um, because let's be honest. I mean, lapel mics and all that sort of stuff. You could almost, you know, hide that in someone's back pocket, and they can go wherever they want. And hopefully, you're getting a, a, and, a good recording. And you're and you're getting very high quality. Or or another crowd that might be very interested in this is like the classical recording crowd. You know, like um, yeah. I was going to yeah. say that I have a friend who does that stuff. 
two, I mean, you, you put this thing with two chefs and you don't need to monitor, you just have the headphone monitor and you've got a really good recording. Yeah, yeah. I'm, 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 I'm just thinking of her right now. She does work for Carnegie Hall in New York and I, I'm going to send her a link to it and say, have you ever used this thing and check it out? Because whenever she posts stuff about what she uses in the gear list, I'm just like, oh my God. I mean, <laughs> like it's, 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 it's fairly it's all run yeah. yeah, it's all chef stuff. It's all really high-end mics. Like When you're doing that stuff, you want to have a quick access. I, I, I think the killer thing for doing it in classical recording is just like the fact that to turn the gain down, you have to push the button and then hold it for three seconds and then push it yeah, again. Yeah, you're not down. riding the gain. That's yeah, for you're, sure. You're, like, like if you got to make a quick change, like forget it. Because you're going to make it worse before you make it better, before you get the preamp in the right position where you're at. You're not reaching out and grabbing, going like, whoa. Yeah, it, it's, it is yeah. not for run and gun. <laughs> there's no, I mean, there's no way. Not, not for a preamp anyway. It's set and forget. Exactly. I, th- I argue to say that you barely need to adjust the gain. I think well, you can I, set the gain really conservatively and not even worry about it with 160 dB of dynamic range. You're not even have to worry about it. You're never going to clip it. You know when I was when I plugged the like the torture test SM7 into it, it didn't make it scream. I mean, how loud did I get to you guys? Right, usable, yeah, yeah. usable levels, it, but it not was very hot, usable. Yeah. It didn't have a problem with the SM7, but it didn't like like send it through the roof. And and then, but if you recorded that signal and say let's let's say you record in 24 bit or 32 float, and then. Fine. Normalized it up to minus three. I'd venture yeah. to guess you would not get a big increase in noise. Noise at all, right? Yeah. Right. And then mm-hmm. you know, it's like it it kind of works for that and that simplicity of of like, oh, just mm-hmm. set my gain and now I have what I need. But you're not in a panic. This thing will upset you. Right. <laughs> well, there you go. Cool. Maybe the Acousta. It. It's really good. Great preamp. It's not. <laughs> It's an engineering marvel, is what it is. Yeah. <laughs> That's right. And if you've got the money and and you travel a bit, probably go for it. If you're a voiceover artist, yeah. specifically. So yeah. Or 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 as you said, if or if you are paid to record symphonic or orchestral acoustic instruments at a very high level, this is something you should have. I think. Or or if you want small and you don't want to compromise on quality, this probably takes the cake on size and quality. Yeah, I believe. Yep. Yep. Yeah. Actually, you know who probably loved this? Just think that just popped into my head. Remember um, Jeff Berlin on our show talking about recording sure. when he was out riding his bike? <laughs> so all he have to do that's is right. take that in his phone and he's away and his microphone. That's he's right. Yeah. Yeah. That's right very now, true. With his, with his Sennheiser, what was his Sennheiser 8060 or what was he using? Something like oh, that. Oh, he uses yeah, the little 8040 capsule. It's a little cardioid yeah. one. Yeah. Yeah. yeah um, so so th- this thing and your crazy Limo connector and off you go. plug yeah. it into your phone and. Try to find a quiet spot in the woods. <laughs> <laughs> Just watch out for the bears. Yes. Yeah. Well, that was fun. Is it over? The Pro Audio Suite recorded using Rode NTG5s and Source Connect. Edited by Andrew Peters and mixed by Voodoo Radio Imaging with tech support from George the Tech Whittem. Don't forget to subscribe to the show and join in the conversation on our Facebook group. To leave a comment, suggest a topic, or just say good day, drop us a note at our website, theproaudiosuite.com.